Champagne Soccer. We back, the Fantastic Four. But today we're here with a special guest, my man. I've known him since almost yeah, 10 plus years now. Hey, man, in my lifetime as an American, I haven't had much people to talk about the game with that on a deep level. Shout out my man, Karan Hart, Forrest Park. He was an Arsenal fan. But after that, wasn't much until this brother, Claytis Cuvier, AKT podcast, man of many talents. He's got a lot of clubs. He's got a lot of opinions. He's going to bring the funk because he's been trying to warn us about a few things that we're seeing come into fruition. And we might as well start at his club. But first of all, how's it going, Claytis? What's good with you, bro? Man, first and foremost, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, I've been itching to come on here to really talk to you guys, you know, argue about a few topics. You know, just first and foremost, no hate. You know, just here to talk soccer, man. So it's a pleasure to be here. Hey, no problem, bro. And yeah, you know everybody here. Of course, Marcus we went to NSU together. You know Anthony, of course. I don't know if you've ever met Ephraim. Have y'all met before? No, no, no. We're going to link this shit or we're going to link it. For sure, oh. for sure. Hey, man, let's just get it started, man, because we already know because of the World Cup, the Premier League schedule is altered. So we already have <laughs> midweek games starting. And today, Chelsea one, Southampton two. You've been telling us for a while about the transfer policy not looking right, getting rid of attackers and we kind of see it today. Uh, how did you feel about the performance? I mean, from my point of view, realistically, I didn't see anything anything new that would show or tell me that Chelsea's going to have a successful season. Um, and also because we did have a few injuries, so we didn't have certain players starting. But nonetheless, I just feel like the players that did play today, they haven't shown me anything different than the past three games that we played to tell me that they're going to improve or anything like that. All right. Now... You mentioned the injuries. Conte is out. Um, Reese James is hurt. Uh, I saw that y'all gave Billy Gilmore a number, but yeah, he didn't get any tick. Of course, Gallagher has his red card. It looked like, you know, to start the season, you guys were playing a 3-5-2, switch it up to a 4-3-3. Do you think that formation brought anything into the pattern or play, or was it more of the same? For me, I'm, I would prefer the back four. I've always, you know, for me, being somebody who's always watched football, you play a back four. Um, but besides that, I think the back, I mean, the 3-3-3 three, three, three is a good, well, 3-3 three, three is a good formation to play, but we don't have the personnel to kind of play in those formation. Um, Kai's been playing as a nine for the start of the season and then majority of the game last year as well. And he still has zero goals up top. So I know that's definitely killing his confidence. Um, I'm definitely, well, I am happy with Raheem so far. Um, there has been a lot of like goals that he's kind of missed, but realistically, he's the only kind of threat that we've had, especially today as well. It was a lot of like one, two to Raheem where like, he'll get the ball, look for the pass, let it off and try to get it back and it creates something. But besides that, we really didn't have like no real spark in attack. So the four, three, three is a good formation, but again, we're always going to struggle because we really don't have the personnel to play in those formations. Now, Ephraim, Anthony, Marcus, y'all can step up. Did any of y'all have the chance to watch the Chelsea-Southampton game? I didn't get a chance to watch it, but just having played Southampton and realizing how uh, tough the opponent they can be, they, they're, not, they're not a bad team to play against, though. They got a really good young up-and-coming team um, that can give 
uh, team's problems, especially when these teams are uh, trying to fight for this top six. These teams like Southampton and and you know uh, Crystal Palace and things like that, they'll they'll give teams uh, a hard time. So I'm not surprised. I thought maybe a draw would be something, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised by the win. But yeah, they they they're a tough team. Don't be surprised. Hey, Clay, Clay, <laughs> Clay, you know me, and um, you know you all already know this is the life of an office guy, sneaking and watching the game. Um, but what I saw, Cucurella, he's not up to par. You're not up to par, bro. You out here getting muscled by a relegation squad, bro. I'm gonna be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, uh, my biggest thing with him is that he really just kind of sits on the wing and he just hogs it and he doesn't really create enough space or make like any extra, any passes into the box. Um, he don't he look to expand. He, he don't look to get cross. on the wings. Yeah, he had a cross like the first half where like it just sailed over everybody's head. And I'm just looking like, why were you even crossing into the box? There's only Raheem in there. The yeah. guy's mind is like, come on. And my last thing on that is, um, I think the Kai experiment might be over with soon. <clears throat> it's not working. Like he can't, he don't fit too cold tactics in my opinion. Bro's an awesome player, but it's just like he's not in the right spots. Like I don't understand why we still doing the tactics that would have worked for Lukaku with the midget with the midget front three. <laughs> now, and that made no sense. Issue. That's been one of my issues with Tucho is like you had the players to play the formation you want to play now, but it's like it's too late, and then you're forcing certain players to play in that formation now, and they're playing out of formation is just regressing them like. Kai is, is is talent, bro. Like he's he's one of the best talent Germany's produced in quite a while. Yeah. And he's like for him, for his style of play, like he kind of needs space to kind of like roam around, create space for himself as well. But being stuck at the nine is like he's he's kind of stuck in an area he's not comfortable moving around. Like the first couple of games we played this season, like I've counted more like fouls from him than more like passes into the box. You know, like he does this thing like he'll run and like he'll shoulder you or like shoulder you from the back. And he does that more than making passes into the box. Come four on. goals, four goals from the people that left Chelsea. You know what I mean? Timo got three, Lukaku got one. Like Timo those could be day. yeah, he went crazy today. It's like it's yeah, like you can have that in the squad. Yeah. yeah, but all right. So my bad to cut you off, Marcus, but I gotta ask y'all. I want all of y'all to answer this question too. Um, based on what y'all have seen in their attack, yeah, you guys are right. They're trying to force, you can tell a pattern of play, but they don't have the talent to do it. Do you guys think that this has caused an, a, a regression in someone like Mason Mount, who was used as the link between the midfield as an attack, but now they're seeing him in Havertz, no goals, no assists so far to start the season. How do y'all think that has affected Mason Mount and his play? Anybody, set it up. Like, I think the the experiment on their tactics is not letting him develop as an attacker, an attacking midfielder. Um, I already uh, predicted Tuku will get slid um, before the season ended and Chelsea will finish sixth. Uh, if they continue like this and he doesn't get slid, they won't they won't finish high in the on the table um that's all i got on that man i'll say um i think the tactics are regressing kyle and um mason but how you said before he was he was 
practicing his passing. He was more expansive with his game. He was the Jiggy England midfielder that they needed. But now he's stagnant. It's like, honestly, the only person I think that is progressing is Conte. Like, Jorginho is still the same. Everybody's still the same. Everybody's still pretty stagnant at what they're doing. And then think about it. People like Chillwell ain't had the opportunity because of injuries to get better. And I would say, what is that? They they don't have a consistent three. Like, they they disrespected Ziyech today. And that dude's a talent as well. So it's like all these dudes, they just don't fit his system. And he just keeps trying to interchange them. That's what I would say about it. I would ask Clay this real quick. Like, legit, what what is the what is the philosophy? What's the style there? Because, you know, they bring in players like who they bring in last year, the midfielder from uh, Atletico. Didn't really play much. Didn't really do much there. It was rumor we're getting certain midfielders like Frank, Frankie de Jong and would you play him in the right place? Would he would he would he have a place in the team? Like what what would what would happen there? Cause I'm a little confused sometimes about how they play and, and what they cater to, because it seems like they don't really have much of an identity as of recently at least. Um, so I mean, what do you think? Personally, ever since or right before the summer started, Kai and Mason been hanging out around a lot each other, and then they got the same haircut. Ever since they got that hair, it's <laughs> downfall, to be honest. Oh, wow. Uh, be honest, it, like Kai and Timo used to like always be together, you know, the German guys, their girlfriends were best friends. And then it became True. a Kai and Mason thing. And then the haircut happened, and then the downfall. <laughs> it was like, now when you watch them plays, like they both seem a bit lost. They don't have like a clear direction. You know, they're playing as midfielders, but your coach wants you to be more of like a goal scoring attacker. And Mason, you know, is, is a great talent. He could pass, he could score, he could dictate games. But like, I feel like all of that is kind of like being taken away from him. He doesn't have like that freedom to, you know, like impose himself in the game. Um, a lot of time you kind of see him just like sitting out on the wing, um, making the same runs over and over, but he's not really being effective. And again, you ask about like, what's the philosophy, you know, what's the mindset? And honestly, I cannot tell you. I've I've been watching this Tucho Chelsea team, and the best I could tell you is that our our tactic is to pass you until you're bored of us. That's that's what I see. We'll, we'll go side to side until we see a hole, and then we'll go to side again, just back and forth, and then we get lucky with a header somewhere or something like that. But honestly, there's no clear vision within our attack. You know, because I see like somebody like Mason Mount. You know, if if I could see him being a perfect type of player, it's somebody like Thomas Mueller. That's that's why I look at him like like somebody that can like create space, be around, they be up that in that attacking area. You know, create that space for other attackers. You know, run on the ball, obviously great passer. You know, something like that. That's what I envision him as. If 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 he's at his best, that's what I can see him doing. Something like that. That kind of role. Uh, I hear that. And what I see with Mason Mount is that he is good at interpreting space. Like you say, Ephraim, he can clear space to make other people make runs. But the problem that we see is that Chelsea doesn't have the midfielders to make the runs, the late runs. It's kind of supposed to be him. And then on the flanks, when you have these so-called inside forwards and there's no legit target man, it's like everybody is in the same space. So that's why it probably does look stagnant. Like Claytis says, they have to pass sideways, backwards, hope they catch the defense sleep uh, sleeping before they can make a clever pass. But 
let's uh let's move on real quick because while Chelsea is having a little bit of problems scoring goals, I mean Marcus, y'all dropped nine on Bournemouth and got Scott Parker and his cardigan fired, man. Why don't you break that down real quick? Hey, good job, Jurgen. Numbers. Y'all know how we do. <laughs> Uh, we went out here with that nine zip this week, you know, close to setting the record. They said 10 would have been the Premier League record. Yep. Um, we came out there with the same setup because we uh really, really injured. Only swap was uh, Hendo. It was Hendo and Fab in the middle. And then they let Harvey eat. And that boy feasted on, on that on that park the bus squad. Um, <laughs> I mean, Bournemouth, to be honest, I respect it. Like they for it was like certain times of the game. They were actually trying to play out. They were actually trying to attack, but they just were were like undermatched. Like they they don't have the quality right now. And to be honest about that firing, that's like three under Klopp's tenure. Two of them is uh Man United guys, uh Ale and uh Jose. <clears throat> Might be Eric <laughs> Ten Hall when we come back. Ah uh, man. Folks at the league. <laughs> we, we escaping them boys man i mean to be honest with you though i think it was kind of messed up because uh he just got them up so it's like in the sense what is it he already he been up a year yeah so, so it's like let him feast with the little guys he just bought and see what he could do because it's like they might get they might go to relegation zone instantly now for sure now guys do, do you guys think like guys like scott parker you know frank like they should kind of look at coaching like you know in the second league or maybe going somewhere abroad because I don't feel like they're bad coaches but I feel like the Premier League level is not like they're not ready for that maybe if they were like an academy like U19 or something like that U23 you guys think that might be better for them yeah maybe and I also think I think sometimes some of their philosophies are a little old school as well still you know like that's what I worry about somebody like Frank Lampard you know whether or not his his philosophy is, is still kind of back when he played, you know, when he was in his prime with Chelsea. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it might be do them good to do something like that, to, to drop down, go back down to the championship or uh, go overseas, go to Spain, go to, go to you know, a smaller league, you know, Dutch league, well, something like that. In the sense of uh, Scott, you know that he actually wanted to use the Premier League, the platform to be the USA uh, coach. He just spoke on that recently. In an interview, wow, sick ambition, um, sick. And what then he also at Fulham is before, right before he yeah. was. Yeah. So in a sense, in a sense of what you're saying, like he did go to the championship and then he brought them up. So it's like it's kind of like, do they go back down? Like so, it's like, do you go back down and get a more lucrative deal if you saying it like that? Yeah, and even like for example, Frank Lampard, he was at Derby. He, he had them mm -hmm. in a promotion battle. I mean, that's when he had Mason Mount and all the academy kids doing well. That was kind of like his trial for Chelsea. So it seems like, you know, you just got to get lucky because look at someone like Patrick Vieira. If you look at the optics, he didn't do a great job at NYCFC. He didn't do a great job at Nice. He's doing a pretty good job, you have to say, at Crystal Palace, though. So... We already know how hard it is for black coaches. He didn't have two great stints at his previous jobs, but he's looking good right now. So it's random. Like I was reading Andrea Pirlo, his uh, his dissertation that he wrote for his license, his coaching license. And hey, it's brilliant. 
But then you see what he tried at Juve, it didn't work out. Now he's at a, uh, I think a Serie B team trying to make it crack. Let me see, what team is he coaching now? Pirlo right now is coaching. Oh, I didn't, hey, he's not even, you know where he, he's you not know, employed. He's, no, in Tur- no, he's in Turkey, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you see, he's at Istanbul confused. Yeah, I thought he was at a Serie B club, but yeah, he's at Faith Karagumrik. So, hey, I mean, I guess there's no formula. And then, to your point, like, you have a great point, and you can also add that it it also depends on what you get when you get to the team, you know, what what kind of team you also inherit. You know, Crystal Palace has been up for, what, about a decade or something, I think? Yep. Um, So they're pretty solid. They don't, you know, they, they're still up in the league. And, and so he got a team that was, you know, that has some pretty solid players, has some really good up-and-coming young players as well, uh, as we pointed out in the, in the uh, podcast before. Uh, so, you know, they, they're not a bad team either. So all of that, I think, combined as well goes together. I mean, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's what you got on the squad. Sometimes it's your actual ability as a coach. Uh, sometimes it's what, <laughs> all of it combined as well. So, um, sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes they're lucky to draw with, with everything. Yeah, for sure. Like, look at someone, for example, with uh, Carlo Ancelotti. We know him as the most successful manager in Champions League history. Look at his first jobs. He started as an assistant at Italy under his OG Arco Sacchi. Then he was at Reggiana. Uh, I think they were at Serie B at the time. Then one season he went to Parma. Now Parma, if y'all remember, that was uh, Cletus. I know you old school brothers. Y'all remember this is Buffon. This is Lillian Taram. This is Verone. This Parma team had a lot of talent. They were knocking at the door of winning Serie A. They brought Ancelotti to win. It didn't work out. Then the next thing you know, <laughs> he he kind of quote unquote fails up. He goes to Juve. Now, this is Juve when they were at the top. Like, they just went to three straight Champions Leagues, lost them all, had Zidane, Edgar Davids, Trezeguet, a stacked team. A guest appearance of Thierry Henry. They win the UEFA Intertoto Cup. That doesn't even exist anymore, y'all. So, he doesn't work out at Juve. And then he goes to a club where he's a legend, AC Milan, and then that's where the legacy goes. So, we know coaching is random. There's a lot of guys that are considered legends now, but if you look at their first two, three jobs they had, you would be surprised at the results or lack thereof. So it's difficult, but I want to ask you, Claytis, because you're a Chelsea fan. Of course, Roman isn't there anymore, but your club is notorious for firing coaches, being cold and corporate with your approach, which has been successful. Do you think Scott Parker got fired too early, or do you think, hey, after that nine, maybe the team isn't playing for him anymore and he had to go? I think the owners kind of have ambition, and they kind of saw the writing on the wall, and they just don't want to take that gamble kind of going into, you know, November, December, being at the bottom of the league and trying to scrape out of it. So I think they're just trying to, like, play it safe and not try to end up, you know, in a worse situation um, in the long run. So I don't I don't have no issue with that. You lost 9-0. You're a great manager, but I feel like they could definitely find something better in the market as well. 
I'd like each of y'all to answer it. Anthony, how did you feel about the firing? Was it too early or was it right? The firing of Bournemouth's coach? Yeah, Scott Parker. Do you yeah, think nah, it was that right? Was, that was wrong. I saw uh, Klopp speak about it, and he uh, laid out the schedule that they were up against. He was like, yeah, they played City, Arsenal, and us. What yeah. do you expect, basically? So <laughs> I believe it was very unfair. Um, we We already said he brought them up into the premier league. So I feel like he should have had a, at least until January. That's, it's very disgusting, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it is kind of, kind of nasty how they did them, but you know, it, you know, these premier league teams, they want to, they want to get that money and and it's a lot of TV money in here and and they want to make sure that they uh, put a good product out on the field and, and something like that from the business side of it, maybe it makes sense uh, to Anthony's point though, that he, he went up against some juggernauts and, and I'm sorry. It, wow. To, to fire him that quick after going against those three big teams like that, that's pretty tough. So. Yeah. And it's even wilder when you look at the table, which, you know, Hey, you know me, I don't, the table doesn't matter until January, but Hey, he got fired. So let's look at the table. Through four matches, Bournemouth is 18th, but they have three points. They have a win. Wolves has not won a game yet. Leicester has not won a game yet. The next match Bournemouth plays is against Wolves. So will they get the new manager bump? I don't know. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think he should have gotten fired. And if you look at the transfer window, they've only spent about $24 And in today's market, when we'll talk about down the line in a few minutes about the prices players are going for 24 million isn't going to get you much especially when you are trying to fight survival <laughs> in the premier league and not trying to get relegated it's unfortunate but hey damn I mean, yo how many how many did uh nottingham forest get this summer 16 yeah they've signed like 16 players mm-hmm. it might be up to 18 now it's crazy right not saying not saying they're gonna stay but they, at least they're making an attempt, right? Yeah, they're being ambitious in their approach for sure. Yeah, kind of like Fulham when Fulham be coming up in the. Uh... Yeah, but um, what did I he got... say about management? I heard that's the reason why he really got fired. What he had a quote on management that got him slid. Yeah, hmm. that's what I'm saying. The report says they're saying that he said something crazy about management after the game. Oh, they're saying. He was fired for Aaron Club's dirty laundry in public. He irritated owner Maxim Demnin by turning down sign-ins, moaning about recruitment, and ostracizing players he no longer wanted. Oh, I'll see you the door. I'll see you the door myself, my boy. Yeah, so that's a, yeah, that's a case for you. I don't yeah. blame If Conte wins the league and he's leaving because of recruitment, you can't be a, a, a team that just got promoted and you're crying about signings. Behave. Yeah, that's why I didn't know he was stuck in like that. Hey, I guess he had a source of entitlement. But hey, let's move on because <laughs> Ephraim, hey, United, y'all did it, right? Another victory, right? You get it for back. Wait, Marcus. No, I said y'all back, right? Oh, no, nah, we can't do that. We can't do that. Can't do that. Back up a little bit. Slow it down. Let's take a back seat. At the it top, was a, United. 
it was a good, it was a good grindy win. You know, I, like I said, that, that Southampton team is a good team. I, I think they're going to be a tough team. I should say, let me, let me, let me say that that way. They're going to be a tough team for certain uh, squads this year. Don't, so. Hey, don't worry Ephraim. I'm not the good police, man. You can be free in your thought because hey, it is hard to be as competitive as them with their limited resources. No doubt. Cause some of those guys are not going to be there. They got, they got a couple of good guys that, uh, one of them I got contended for a champagne goal of the day today. So, um, but yeah, so I'm gonna give them credit where credit's due. But uh, United United looked good for how they changed up their uh, philosophy a little bit. They conceded a lot of possession, uh, especially after scoring the goal. Um, you know, they're they're back and forth about uh, Lissandro Martinez getting roughed up a little bit, and but he did get called man in the match again. Uh, but uh, and, and he won five out of five aerial duels. It looks like he has a little bounce, a little bit. So, um, I think that was a good little grind. I, I think we need to be careful though going up against Leicester because they have a they haven't you know they have no points right now. So, uh, this could still be this could be another one of those kinds of games. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another one of those one nil, two one games or something like that to come against them, but um. Uh, yeah, it was a great game to see them to play as a, a team and 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 scrounge around for a win. Um, good to see Casemiro get in there for a little bit. wasn't too much, but he looked like he, he's going to be, um, you know, a really solid, you know, number six for us. Uh, really break up some play and really maybe uh, link up some play as well from the back to the midfield. Um, but yeah, I, I think we looked all right. You know, even though we. Uh, like I said, we conceded some con, uh, possession and, and they, you know, they, they look a little scary at the end there. They had to make a look, couple saves, but uh, yeah, I think we look all right. I think we're, we're, we're getting something down. Uh, we still got a long way to go though. Quick question. Do you think Rashford might be getting dropped as the season goes on? That's a great question, actually, especially picking up Anthony that we just picked up. I can see Sancho going over to the left-hand side. Um, and, and Rashford getting dropped. Rashford didn't look good last game. He, he looked like he was a little lethargic, wasn't really into the game as much, uh, didn't make as many uh, crucial runs like he did uh, against Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, I could absolutely see him getting dropped. Um, I would not be surprised at all if uh, after this uh, Leicester game that he gets that maybe Anthony, maybe not start, but I could see him coming in. Uh, and that may be his place, kind of like Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw lost that spot quick. Uh, somebody wanted it that was hungry, and I think that's where it's going to happen uh, uh, in Ten Hogs squads from now on. Anybody that's really hungry, they're taking those roles. I feel that now. Now, what is uh, is Martial's injury serious, or is it a short-term thing? You know, it's one of them soft tissue injuries like them – those Achilles, I think, is this time. Uh, so it's hard to tell how long this is going to be. Um, I haven't heard anything about him playing this time. I think Lindelof came back uh, and was practicing uh, with the first team uh, in training this week. So Marshall, I think, is still hurt. So we'll see maybe against uh, your guys uh, on Sunday, Dan. So. Yeah. Well, speaking about us, you look at the top of the table, hey, you see it starts with a letter A. It's for Arsenal. Calm and down. they, hey, I mean, it's the truth. I didn't make it up. You can nah, go type him, it in. Let him have this. And let me tell you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let me have this because you see, 
you see the propaganda going on in England and across the internet that people are mad at Arsenal for winning a match and celebrating. While Spurs, they be having those trash can offense and getting those mercy goals, they can break dance all they want. Arsenal come from behind and win a game in the last five minutes of the match. Oh, why y'all having fun? So, I mean, we see what's going on. There's a lot of people mad, but hey, Mitrovic, he's a boss. He is a great <laughs> aerial striker, the classic target man. He was a bully. He played well. Odegaard with the goal in the 64th minute to equalize the match was smooth. Gabriel caused the blunder for the Mitrovic goal. That boy was moving like molasses with the ball on his feet, got chopped up, got bodied by Mitrovic, scored the goal. So it was nice for him to score on his set piece to win the match. You know, Arsenal doesn't look as good with Partey out and Zinchenko. Doesn't look like um, Partey is going to play this uh, tomorrow, but Zinchenko might be training. So uh, we'll see. But other good news, it looks like Saliba and Saka are going to sign their new contract soon. So that's fun. But uh, now let's talk to the reigning champions. Anthony, you guys were in the mud a little bit, two set-piece goals, but y'all fought hard and came back. How did you feel about the performance? Hey, man, another week, another showing of the heart of a champion. You know, we're down, but we don't quit. Uh, I honestly was heartbroken after the first goal. Uh, I, was, I had to work that day. And after John Stones kneaded in to his own net, I was like, well, there's a champagne goal of the week. And uh, went upstairs. It was 2-0 or 2-0 by the time I reached the fourth step. And uh, I was, it was distraught. Didn't know what was going on. Came back down for the second half. I was able to enjoy a comeback. I saw a beautiful thing take place, man. Pep got out of his own way and made a crazy substitution. He took off Cancelo uh, for Gundogan and Mares for Alvarez. So we were playing without a left back for a little bit. Um, and we scored two goals instantly. Out one Alvarez and I said Alvarez <laughs> was going to be a diamond in the rough for City. And he was involved in both those goals that tied the game. And Holland, we saw what he did. Uh, that hat trick was amazing. His final goal was akin to a situation he had against Newcastle, where he shielded one defender, had another one to his left. But then he uh, tried to put it in. The goalie blocked it. This week, he had the same situation and completed a hat trick. I was ecstatic. I love the energy from the team. Let's get Bill it. Bill Foden finally gave him an assist, right? <laughs> and it was the uh, the hardest, most – out of all the passes he could have had an assist for already, it was the most difficult pass. He could have had easy tap-in, tap like, passes to Holland, other matches. So, finally came, whoop de doo can't wait to see it happen again. Hey, and <laughs> you think you think is it too early to worry about is your defense a little leaky? 
Because nah. somebody can hold y'all, hold y'all. I know y'all have the ability to come back. It's obvious from, from two straight weeks, three one down, and then what? Uh, two nil down. So I, I get it. At the same time, you know, there are going to be teams that are going to be able to hold you a lot better than uh, these other two teams have so far. So do you worry yeah. about teams getting that counterattack on you guys since y'all hold possession so well and getting that chance and then really locking you guys down some? I, I believe Pep is getting those kinks knocked out right now um, for for teams like Liverpool or uh, uh, Chelsea or definitely Tottenham, um, teams that have smoked this. And, Ch- and Crystal Palace was one of them. Uh, Zaha wasn't playing. And, and so I believe uh, that kind of dulled their attack or what usually would happen to us. Um, but Pep, I believe he's seeing the, the holes in the, the magic square, the magic box. And hopefully he'll make, have adjustments ready for those strong counterattacking teams. I'm not worried, but I know we're we're experiencing this attacking style to get ready for other teams that's gonna overload on counterattacking us. Hey, so. and y'all signed another center back, so Pep is definitely getting ready to. Maybe he's gonna start trying to play with a back three. You never know. You have to start to experiment and be creative when you deal with these type of teams, man, that can give you problems all over the pitch. So, Hey, who knows? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Hey, let's talk about Holland a little more. He had the hat trick right now. He and Neymar are the top scorers in Europe with six apiece. Neymar also has six assists. So yeah, he's on smoke ever since the transfer rumors, but Claytis. Earlier today in the soccer chat, you had a picture of Michael Owen. I know a lot of people didn't know what they meant, what that meant, but I I knew what it meant. I started chuckling. Now, break down your views on Holland. We all know he's a great player. You've even said yourself you'd like him to be the future striker of Bayern, another club that you support and hold deeply. But um, what are your views on Holland? What is it about him that, you know, people feel like you're hating on them. I think people kind of are like, you know, short-sighted kind of focused on like the moment, but in reality, Holland is, is like a monster, bro. To have a striker that big, to have the speed that he has and finish the way he finishes, like, you know, that's an asset to any team. I would welcome that at Chelsea any day of the week. Um, But there are still elements in his game that of course needs to be developed. Um, he's still f- extremely young. So I think that's where people kind of forget is that he's still extremely young. There's still a lot as a striker that he has to learn, develop, and more than anything, be consistent at, you know, Lewandowski kind of ran the Bundesliga for years and people thought that Holland was going to come in and be his competition. And he kind of like brushed that to the side very easily. Um, so I don't think that Holland is a bad player, but I just feel like people are kind of too excited. And I can understand why, because, you know, look at across Europe, there's not a lot of number nine strikers. And that's something I've been emphasizing for the past season or two is like, yes, everybody's playing this false nine thing, but you're really not going to want to be successful without having a core nine up there, a guy who really is going to punch in and score goals every single day. And that's what Holland's doing. And, you know, that's great. 
But another reason people are so happy is because it's, his field is limited. It's like, imagine you go and you apply for a job at Amazon, knowing that you're the only person with the certs, you know, you're going to get the job. Everybody else is going to get denied. And that's what the Holland situation kind of is right now. But everybody kind of look at it as, oh, Clay, this just be hating, bro. He scored three goals. Oh, he just scored two goals. Duh, 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 duh. But even when you and I was listening to the commentator, the commentator said, Holland didn't touch the ball. He was ineffective the whole game, but he scored goals. So those are like the little things that I watch out for. And I think that people need to kind of pay attention to as well. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it all depends on how you're used because, you know, prior to Holland, the last striker that Pep tried to make the focal point of his attack is Lewandowski because even with Kunaguero, yeah, he was a leading scorer, but, you know, the game was more played through David Silva and De Bruyne and overlapping and trying to make create those spaces that even Benjamin Mendy started with the cutback passes that started to be a big part of their attack. So it wasn't really about having a focal point, but now you can see in City's attack, they're playing through Holland. He is the focal point. So, yeah, he has to adjust to that. But, you know, based on what I'm seeing, it doesn't seem like they're asking him to help him build up play. They just want him to kind of finish attacks. Maybe when he adds that to his game, because, yeah, he's still developing. Last season at Dortmund, he was helping out more with build up and delivering the final pass. We'll see if Pep tries to utilize that, you know, Last year, he tried to sign Harry Kane, who is a world-class striker. He is great at build-up play, led the Premier League in assists and goals three times. We already know he's perfect at that. The year before, he tried to get Lukaku, who is also great at hold-up play, linking up. That's not Holland's game. But, hey, he's still young. But what do y'all think, Marcus? Um, you guys signed a new striker, also Nunes. He's coming back from the red card soon. How do you feel about Holland and his performance so far? To piggyback off kind of what Clay is saying, the role that he playing, I think he's doing excellent to, for this limited time so far. Actually, like speaking off of that, um, like looking at him last year when he was on Dortmund, his connection play was pretty terrible. He would overpass guys. So I feel like Pep kind of saw yeah. that. He like, let's work on that closed doors before you start doing that in the game. And like, I think that that's probably the reason why he's not really on the ball. I mean, I think the path that he's on right now, he could be uh, I don't want to disrespect him, but like a, a budget Harry Kane, because Harry Kane can't connect the play right now. Yeah, he, and he, he had to work on it too. He had to develop it definitely. Like Last year, not to cut you off, Marcus, but I just wanted to throw this in a little bit that oh, last good. year, uh, Holland had 22 goals and 24 matches in the Bundesliga and eight assists. So that's his career high. And the year before, in 28 matches, he had 27 goals and six assists. So the assists are going up season by season. So, hey, maybe he'll get double digits in the league this year. But uh, Ephraim, I know your club, you you guys are looking for a striker. I'm sure you would love to have Holland. Who wouldn't? But how do you feel about his performance so far and how he's getting acclimated to the Premier League in the city? I think he's doing exactly what he's asked to be done. 
uh, um, it's probably something very simple that Pep is telling him to do. Just get to a point, you'll get a pass, you'll get a cross, and put it in goal. I, I agree with Marcus. I think behind closed doors, they're developing this young man. I can't see, I can't see in a Pep type of team, especially for a guy this young, uh, that he wouldn't try to develop his skills in other ways. So I, I think that, yeah, he, he's definitely doing something else uh, to, to, to show us down the road. I think he's going to be, uh, yeah, I, it's hard to say that he, he won't be something like an Harry Kane-like player in this, kind of, in this type of system. So uh, coming deep and getting the ball uh, and hold it up a little bit and, and let players run off of him. So, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think we're, we're in for something down the road. Uh, he's very raw. Uh, he still has a lot to go, but yeah, he's going to be great. I think my only flaw that I would say watching him and he still hasn't improved it from Dortmund is him heading the ball. Like that's something that Lukaku has like mastered. Uh, what's old boy that plays for uh, that's injured? Um, he played for Everton. Oh, uh, Calvert Lewin. Yeah, Calvin. Yeah. He he does excellent as well. Like yeah, he's great heading, at attacking the ball. Yeah, yeah, his heading ability is not like on that world class level. So like that would be like that's one of the things I see like is a flaw in his game right now. Hey, he did get a header. It wasn't the prettiest, but it it, it worked. He got a header on the weekend. Now Anthony, you are the city fan. Holland is your boy. You've been watching him. How do you feel about his uh, performance and uh, the hat trick, the goals that were scored? Because like you said, the third goal was the best goal because it showed his pace, his power, his agility, his composure. How did you feel about, uh, you know, his performance overall so far from what you've seen? Hey, man, I, I honestly don't even know what we're talking about. Um, Cletus, you're right. He has the certifications as a striker. And at Marcus, Ephraim, you both said it. He's there to finish the play. He's there to put the ball in the net, score goals. And Cletus, people get hyped in the moment because nothing's promised tomorrow. So when you see something like this, you got to appreciate it. And I'm appreciating the goals I'm seeing. I know he has to develop. He has stuff to, he has to grow. But hey, man, just seeing easy tap-ins, a header, uh, a goal shielding two defenders. Yeah, man, I'm psyched. What else can he do? So, no, I'm I'm pleased. I'm pleased for you. I'm I'm happy for you. Appreciate it. You know, everybody everybody likes seeing you know champagne goals. And and now after uh, Dan, you said Aguero wasn't a focal point. But you've heard me call him the assassin. He scored goals. He was scoring. And that's something that I missed when he left. And now Holland's here, and it's kind of feeling the same way. It's like, okay, if he's around that net, it may go in. Nah, bro. Remember I told you in the chat, I get more uh, a grow vibes from Alvarez. He he seemed like if y'all oh, in sure. the collect situation, he'll come mm -hmm. off that bench and he'll, be, he'll put it in that net. Oh, for sure. He but he has room to blossom. I I, I don't I honestly the way it's gonna play out, Holland's gonna leave, go to to a designer club, and Alvarez is gonna stay at City. Oh, he said it. He said it. I, know. I, I, I think Alvarez is gonna leave too now. You know. Uh, but I feel like he'll stay a little bit longer. 
Yeah, he'll because you know because Holland will be the number one. Yeah, he'll he'll stay to prove his point, and then or who knows? You know that's the interesting thing because with uh, Alvarez, he is a guy that people have been watching for a few years. If you know about South American soccer, you know River Plate is one of the top teams. They always produce talent. He's the next star attacker. Normally they go to La Liga, but he said he wants to play for Pep. He's at City. I think he'll play well, but yeah, yeah he's a his destiny looks like Barcelona. You already know hey, those boys. He knows not to go there too early because he's looking at his homeboy friend Torres over there sitting down because he went over uh, there. Past. You know, yeah. Does is that his boy or, or is it just they both speak Spanish? <laughs> hey man, they both they both uh, they both trying to go to try to go to Barcelona through City. His boy, you know, so he knows. Let me relax. And let me boss it up over here and then make that move. Yeah, but that's the thing. I think um, with uh, Alvarez, Pep has mentioned it too, that he's going to start playing more because, you know, Haaland and all these players, you have to make sure that you rotate them. We know Haaland has had injury issues. That's why he hasn't played a full season. So, yeah, Alvarez is going to get a lot of time to and, develop. I think he's going to ball. And that's why I was surprised. Pep took Cancelo off over the weekend to put Alvarez on. Gundogan and Alvarez came on for Mares and Cancelo. That's crazy. That's sh that shows Pep's like, I need him on the field to get this goal somehow, some way. I need yeah. him to score. At the end of the match, everybody was happy because we came back, except Cancelo and Mares, because they know what's up. Oh, the pressure's on. A a anybody can get rotated out for the sake of the win. And Alvarez is, is one of those players. So yeah, I'm um, Bernardo Silva, one of those players. Who? Bernardo Silva. Yeah, Did Bernardo Silva. Um, he uh, you know what I want. You know what he, I want. Nah, he wrote a he wrote a letter to Benzema, and asked for the Juju man, and he, he's on he's on drugs. <laughs> hey, explain the Juju man. What's up with the hand? Hey man. Oh, yeah, we gotta add. I need somebody to email us call in, tweet, DM, something. We're trying to figure out what's under Benzema's tape. There's something going on under there. It's illegal. Jamar, answer the call, please. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, let's talk about the shit that goes of the week. Um, you already know we like to appreciate the beautiful parts of the game, all facets, but mostly the goals, because goals bring you Glory and it wins games. Now, who would like to set it off with their champagne goal of the week? Let's let our guests go first. Cletus, you you know what it is, man. You got a champagne goal of the week, man. I mean, it's an ugly, it's an ugly Moet coming out. Maybe a black bottle coming out. <laughs> Raheem Sterling. Um, we was ten men down, so to get that second goal and win that game was very, very vital. Um, if we would have took that L coming into this game and then taking this L that we took, that yeah, it would have been a really, really bad, bad look for us. So we're going to send that Moet bottle over to Raheem Sterling tonight. Nice, nice. I guess I'll go next. Uh, my champagne goal of the week is my boy Louie. Hey, that's Cletus's man as well. Uh, hey, man, he's styling. They scored a four Barca against Valadoid. He had a brace. He's waking up. He's finding the flow and the, the pattern of play. And let me tell you, man, 
when he got received the ball, he was fading away from the goal. And he said, you know what? I still feel cheeky. I'm about to backheel this joint to the far post. The goalie was so lost. I got to give that the champagne goal of the week. I said before the season, Lewandowski is going to show more facets to his game. And we're kind of seeing it a little bit already, but it's beautiful. But uh, Ephraim, what was your champagne goal of the week? Mine was uh, uh, Romeo Lavia. I could be butchering his name. Uh, please forgive oh, me. Sorry. Hey, he bossed that midfield. He's the man of the match in that City Chelsea match. That's a City Academy product, by the way. No doubt. Uh, he looked good against United as well over the weekend. So, um, yeah, his goal off of a bad clearance from what looked like Cesar Aspilicueta, uh, uh right there uh, off of a free kick, excuse me, a corner kick, and uh, got it in the goal there. So, yeah, that was a nice one for me. I like that one. For sure. Uh, Anthony? Yeah, I'm going to have, I'm gonna have to go with the free kick banger from Valovic from Juventus. Uh, it was about 10 yards outside the box, left foot, banger that ended up hitting the bottom of the crossbar and bouncing in. That joint was crazy. Um, yeah, that was nice. Happened, happened in uh, the second minute um, of the game, actually, which was kind of wild. Um, actually, the minute 14th. So, yeah, very early on. So it was a nice, nice stunner. For sure. And Marcus, what was your goal of the week? Man, pouring up a glass of uh, Hoot and Gammon for my Austrian boys. <laughs> um, my champagne goal of the week was uh, one of my surveillance guys, Wilfred Zaha. Oh, yeah. He scored it again today, too. He's on smoke, bro. Hey, but he was very sick with the outcome of that game. Okay. Yeah, 1-1 yeah. draw. Yeah, that was tough. You know, those London derbies are tricky, but hey, that goal was definitely nice. But uh, let's break it down to our in-the-club all-star. Who do y'all think was, or who do y'all know for sure after the match said, yeah, I can't go home. I got to step out. Because you know with me, I'm going with him again, bro, because he keeps banging. Say Maxim, man. Yes, he, sir. He has he, to. <laughs> he got the equalizer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that goal was a banger. He got the equalizer, got some points. You know he's in the club, man. I mean, when is this I'm going to call him up, though? Let, let's let's be realistic. <laughs> yeah, well, you already know a lot of people got to get hurt or something has to go bad, but he deserves a place. Hey, he he's balling. Because I know but, uh, not going to get called up. There's a lot of people that's not going to get called up for France this time around. So I Griezmann can't get called up, right? He yeah. has to. He has yeah. to be, go away, right? He's he's only playing 25 minutes this, this season, so <laughs> he still might get called. Though you know how Deschamps is. I mean, we know Giroud is going to get called up. No comment. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, play has this he who, even who, seen minutes? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's he's touching the pitch. He touched the pitch. He, him and Aurigi out here battling for minutes, ain't they? Yeah, it's a nasty duel, man. It's lots of us just looking at him like, hey, man, just wait. I'll be back. <laughs> hey, but uh, Claytis, now you was in the club doing it big this weekend. Who was in the club with you popping bottles? I mean, you know, that boy Levy was outside with me, you know. <laughs> we're doing this thing as always. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, uh. Ephraim, who's here in the club all-star, man? Um, Mitro Mitrovic, right? 
Oh, well, even with the L, he still felt good. Wow. Right. Yeah, I was going to take him and say he was security. That motherfucker didn't make it in the club, but he bullying <laughs> motherfuckers. Hey, hey. He mm. might be inside. He might be in the bar. Not in the club. He might be at the pub. Hey, look, I don't know. Nah, he, hey, he, he played well. He might be in the club. He might be there free he before five, 11. He got five goals already in five matches. I mean, he, yeah, you're right. He's not doing, yeah. you know, the team maybe not winning but as far as like i called it well yeah, I he's guess, falling he's i guess surprise. my in the club this week is gonna be my boy harry harry mr kane <laughs> you yeah. think he goes to the clubs marcus <laughs> but till it till 11 o'clock then he gotta go home oh yeah you're right yeah you're right he's not he's not like rooney uh, who was my man that was moving oh yeah yeah pavel nedved moving funny in the club y'all seen that yo no no he <laughs> don't know how to dance bro <laughs> Hey, he wasn't focused on dancing. You know what he was grabbing on, man. <laughs> sick boy. <laughs> hey, give Henri his Ballon d'Or in that video. You're sicko. But <laughs> let's talk about other sickos because, Claytis, what are y'all doing in the transfer market, man? I see y'all linked with a wonder kid from uh, Leipzig, 90 million pounds maybe next year or euros on I know you haven't been feeling this recruitment policy, which is understandable, but what's going on from your assessment? You know, some like to say that I'm old school. I grew up in an era where you earn the transfer. You feel me? You kind of show out and you earn that big money move. Um, for Fana, has been a signed deal. He's going to be revealed tomorrow. Um, I want to say it was for 70. Yeah, about 70 million, yeah. 75 maybe. Up in my notes here. So, yep, 70. Uh, Cucurella, same thing, uh, 63. Now, these two signings are not, you know, game changers. They're not starters, but we do need defenders. But like I've been saying, we've been kind of, we've been finessing the market, you know, overpaying for all individuals. Um, the Aubameyang situation seems like it's it's a done deal as well. They're saying 23. Um, okay. That is not giving me any hope, honestly. I've seen enough from Tucho. Um, but hopefully I think going into December, we kind of prioritize, um, getting more of an uh, attacking midfielder and then kind of seeing what we're going to do regarding Conte and Jorginho. Cause, um, to be realistic, I could see Jorginho leaving. I could see Conte leaving as well. So, um, hopefully we could plan for that moving in December instead of just, you know, signing checks to everybody right now. True, true. Now, uh, Marcus, uh, Klopp said y'all was going to sign somebody, but someone took him. Have you been able to identify this mystery midfielder? I'm still on lookout, man. What the fuck, man? TMZ, <laughs> holla at me. Um, Paul Zay uh, Joyce, holla at me. Enfield Edition, holla at me. I'm trying to figure it out, man. Um, Before before I go into mine, I, so so you telling me, Clay, that that's confirmed with a Favana, I, I seen it was one of them. Should I stay? Should I go? Because Brendan Rodgers is saying he ain't gonna get the money. I mean, I'm a special assistant and calling customer service for a refund. So if they want to, <laughs> they, they want to give me my refund. You know, I'll take my bread back. I'll go. Yeah. trust me. Yeah, it seems like it's a done deal. He signed, so yeah, that's looks like it's done. I mean, he missed but, half the season last year, and then you pay seventy for him. It's, it's it's all a big gamble, but I don't I don't see the vision yet. I know we need defenders, but I don't see the vision with them still. But 
you know, I'm, 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 I'm riding, I'm riding the train. Yeah. And now, uh, Marcus, uh, yeah, let's, let's go into it. Hold on. Hold on. Let's go ahead and finish <laughs> up with this, uh, man. Let's read off what Klopp said in this interview today. Yeah. So there break are, it down. There are a few players out there that will be the right ones, but there are different issues, contracts, the clubs don't want to sell all things, all these kind of things. So, um, Either this is FSG telling him he ain't getting that money, or I need Michael Edwards to come back up out of retirement because uh, I'm on the lookout for a midfielder. We are not back. We we are on emergency, and I, like I said before in our chats, I don't want to hear. I'm saying it now on this chat on this episode. Clock gonna come out the next week in a couple weeks to say all these injured players they feel like new signings. No, nah, bro. <laughs> They're not. They're the same players I was on the squad before. They just not hurt now. Oh yeah, and by the way, uh, this young man, the Croatian international that Chelsea is rumored to sign, Josko Gavardio. I'm sorry if I said it wrong, but hey, like you said, Claytis, that's one thing that has changed. Uh, transfer fees used to represent the quality of the player. Now it seems to be more about projection and carrying on that theory Ephraim you guys have signed Anthony uh creative winger very technical tricky player has played for the Brazilian national team of course has chemistry with Ten Hag at their time with Ajax together how do you feel about the signing it was what 95 million plus five more in add-ons yep uh I can't argue with the talent that is uh that seems to be pouring out of this young man, but you know, it, it's still a question of how much somebody's worth to your point uh, and Clayton's point as well. I mean, how much are you willing to pay for somebody at what price are you willing to go to get that talent on your team? He seems like he's going to be a phenomenal talent coming down the right-hand side. I, I, I don't question that at all. I think it's going to be exciting to watch him play um, to try to link up with, uh, Dello and, and maybe if, if we get somebody else, maybe like uh, Dest from Barcelona, or if we just keep somebody like Juan Masaka yeah. there or not. But I don't know. Um, wait and see. It, it, I, I, we'll find out soon. We'll find out real now, soon. Yeah, and I see uh, Dest is open to the idea of going to United. Uh, do you think he will be a guy that maybe that'll be a deadline day signing? Yeah, I think that that probably would go down to the uh, to, what is it? Thursday is the deadline. Correct. Day? Correct. September first. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's what exactly what it would, would come down to. But um, yeah, that'd be great if we get somebody like that uh, to come into the right back spot because we need somebody to uh, kind of challenge uh, Dallo. He's been playing pretty good. He's holding down the spot for now. But I think I, I like what Ten Hag has been doing. He's been bringing players in, especially some of these weaker positions. Excuse me, positions that uh that need some challenging. Uh, right back is one of them. Uh, he already did with left back. I think Luke Shaw may have lost his uh, starting spot. And I think that somebody like Des can challenge somebody like Delo and make him play, maybe step his game up a little bit more, maybe. So uh, I like it if, if he comes in, but uh, we'll see. We'll see you on uh, Thursday. All right. And now, uh, Anthony, you've broken it down a little bit already, but a Kanji looks like a good sign in. He's a great ball player, uh, ball playing center back. 
do you think this is more about a precaution for next season? Or do you think that, uh, like you mentioned, if you can expound a little bit, do you think maybe this can go into the development of Pep's magic square? Because Akanji can play a little bit at defensive midfield too. Yeah, this may add uh, maybe an extra piece to play that a back three. Um, I know we're battling injuries, already had a few injuries. key had a knock and he was out for uh, the last match and had this come out of the Newcastle match. Um, today I saw he's back at training, so he's good. Laporte, he's trying to come back uh, to the team from injury. So we just want to add depth and yeah, man, we got we we gotta stay up, stay up in form somehow. And the game's always evolving. We may have to go to a back three. We'll see what's up. It's cool. It's cool to it's cool that we got somebody. And a key was about to be slid until we let Zinchenko go. Yep. So a key may may leave next season, and uh, this new center back may fill his his spot. Uh, next year but start yeah. let's start right now this season so we'll see yeah and uh with arsenal uh, it looks like you know we're trying to find another winger still the pedro neto deal doesn't seem likely because wolves is asking for a lot of bread uh we're looking at defensive midfield we've been trying to sign daniel from uh Palmeiras, a Brazilian club for a few years. He's a very talented guy, higher work rate. A lot of clubs been looking at him, but the club has said that they don't want to sell him right now because if you're not aware, the Brazilian season is in full action. Their season ends in the winter. So it seems like the club will be more open to let him leave in January. But right now, it doesn't look good. Um, Arsenal's trying to get rid of Maitland Niles. Looks like he might go on loan in Newcastle. Uh, Bellerin might, his contract might get terminated. So uh, Arsenal, I don't know what's going on. I hopefully we can sign another player because Partey has only played in 58% of the matches that he's been able to. Since he's been at Arsenal, he's only played in 50% of our matches. That's not good enough especially for a pivotal player like that. We need another midfielder. I know y'all have been hearing me talk about this for a while, but uh, I don't know. I think we can get away with it if we could play Sambi there, but nah, because El Nenny's hurt now. So now that our two defensive midfielders are hurt, it's kind of a crisis already. So I'm kind of sad, but uh, we'll see what happens. But uh I know one brother that can cheer me up, and that's Marcus with his MLS minutes. So what you got for us this week, man? Any more burials from DC United, or were they decent this time? Hey, uh, hit my music. gonna go ahead before we get into the power rankings yeah Dan I was live direct in the stadium for the DC United Atlanta United game this week oh word <laughs> oh man Come and uh yeah first <laughs> half was a bit dry 
Okay, there were no goals, a lot of attempts. It's a lot. It's a very sloppy ball game. But in the second half, he got the cracking. DC United actually popped it off, and then from there, uh, Atlanta United came with attacking. Came came pretty attacking for the rest of the game, and ended up getting that thing three two. So uh, yeah, officially, DC United, you're back at the bottom of the league. Uh, um, what a shame. Yeah, they just weren't ever going to be a good team this year, no matter what. So, I mean. Yeah. Sh- shout out to Joseph Martinez coming off the bench. Uh, I think this is probably going to be his last year in the MLS. He hasn't been the same since that ACL tear. True, uh, yeah. Um, do you think – my bad. Do you think – where do you think he'll, he'll go? Do you think he'll go back to South America or will he – like, where do you think he'll go? I think he might go to Liga X. I think that might be the best look because he could probably he could probably dominate the way how he did when he first came to the MLS. And then yeah. looking at Liga X, uh, it doesn't seem like they're it, it's fast paced, but when it gets in the box, it doesn't seem as fast paced as it is like in the top five leagues. Or as rough, and he could just out jump some of those guys because they like a little bit shorter. Um, but this week we got the power rankings. We got a change. Um, at the top, but first off, we're gonna go with number five, Minnesota. They on a crazy run. Not in a they in the uh, third spot in a playoff spot. Um, they won this week two one, and then number four we got Montreal. They beat the team that I really fooled with with my boy uh Shaq on Chicago. They got them out the way this week. They had number four, number three, put some respect on Austin FC man. They got LAFC up out the way. Okay, uh, number two, LLC. Yeah, it's a change. You're not at the top no more. You got to win games. Even though you don't secure your spot, you got to go ahead and win some games. You can't be out here stinking it up. Um, and number one, Philly, Philly, Philly. They out here trying to put numbers on the board. 6-0, man. They're going for it at the 88th minute. Still going for the goal. Five up. Yeah, we got to get that. All of it. Uh, this week, the goal of the week, champagne, champagne popping. Um, honestly, we got to put the whole Philadelphia Union out there because they put six up, six up on Colorado. But um, it goes to Bernadeschi on Toronto, 64th minute, outside the box. Whoo, crazy left foot. In there, top corners, top corner stuff. You know how that go. Um, but that ended, that's going to end up the MLS minute for the week. Appreciate it. Thank you, Marcus. And uh, before we go, man, I'm, I'm sorry to try to, you know, I have to speak on it because I almost forgot uh Paul Pogba situation, you know, his brother, Matthias, the twin, the evil twin, the Bizach, running the extortion on his little brother. They try to get 13 million euros. Reportedly, Pogba paid 100,000. One of these guys also stole 200,000 from a Pogba credit card. Uh, they even uh, allegedly went to practice and try to shake him down on the pitch. It's it's getting sad. Uh, Matthias said Pogba tried to turn Mbappe into a dog 
the Mbappe family is investigating the situation. Now, Pogba's under surveillance. What do y'all make of this? Yeah, what do y'all make of this? And weren't some of them supposed to be like his boys, his childhood friends or something like that? that yeah, that, they all grew up in the neighborhood together. Yep, I guess they mad. They said Pogba didn't him. take care of them. Yeah, watched him his whole career. Went went to Manchester with him. Was watching him from the shadows, basically. And and wow, yeah, it's it's crazy. You know what voodoo? They got voodoo going on. Something right? Like, yeah, the juju man. Yeah, Claytis knows the juju man. Allegedly. Wow. No. Sh- sh- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Claytis, how do you feel about it's, this? It's, it's sad, it's, man. Because you know the the extortion and the gang extortion thing is very common in the hood in France. So. It's nothing new, but it's sick how it's your older brother trying to trying to set you up. Like, come on, man. If it was not for Paul, you know you're not playing. You're not seeing the ends you're seeing. It's, it's calm for you. If yeah, it you're not a broadcaster if it wasn't for Pogba. I mean, when their dad was sick, you know, Paul was the one that got their dad, you know, like out of France to get to the hospitals for all the surgery. Like, you got to think about things like that. And then now, like, here you are trying to end your brother's career, right? before a world cup like it's sad and then on top of that his mom and and the lawyer were the ones that kind of released the press statement on Paul's behalf so that kind of tells you everything you need to know about that if your mom is like already against you and telling you the shit you're doing is kind of fucked up you just kind of got, got to eat it and shut up and go away but I feel like he's gonna die on his sword so I'll let him do that <laughs> 13 million, bro. We hold my brother up for 13 million. They said a million for every year that you're playing professional. We were protecting you. But Pogba got robbed twice in, in, in Manchester. What was they might have done it now. You better no, read that no, shit no, off in five no, different languages. Earlier, they were saying that they were saying in March Pogba was robbed. Um, and then when you look back um, at the timeline, Pogba had two games in France in March which kind of lined up with the robbery. So if you look at the timeline, like everything slowly kind of adds up, but, you know, you still got to investigate the whole situation. Yeah, no doubt. I'm thinking it's going to make him seem like he was like a drug lord or something, like nah, this is bodies great. or something. But, but yeah, right. That's what I'm thinking. When he said he had explosive things to say about his brother. and But, yeah, it's, it's still crazy, though, at the end of the day. Yeah, it's sad, bro. But we ain't never going to cross each other like that because we're men with principle and class and standards. The finer things in life. I mean, Obama Young, too. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like I think, you know, FIFA has to do a little bit better at protecting players. Because, now, that one, that might be Barcelona goons shaking I mean, up Obama yeah, Young to make him leave. The owner did pop up with a with a black eye the other day too. Yeah, so. he got touched. So you might gotta gotta ask about that situation. Might be the, the young his peoples. So <laughs> yeah, oh, everybody sending their goons out for the checks. <laughs> Repay them loans, homie. Hey man, shout out to Biden for taking some bread off our loans, man. Champagne soccer. <laughs> yes, we pay we pay our debts, man. But Anthony. Ephraim, Marcus, thanks for coming on, Claytis. This ain't going to be the last appearance. Hey, this was fun. I hope y'all had fun out there. We'll see y'all next week. We out. Peace.